Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. Football! And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code BLEAV. B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. All right, everybody. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up here on the Believe Podcast Network. It is Wired Up episode 96. Welcome in, everybody. We have a doozy of a podcast here for you with the original meaning of why we created Wired Up, which is to review college football Saturdays. And boy, this was a doozy of a college football Saturday. You had Michigan beating Ohio State. Alabama put a scare in all of us for a long time where we thought this was going to be a blood weekend. Oklahoma State recovered a muffed punt and won the game, and Mike Gundy was wearing cowboy hats, and Caleb Williams looked like he was crying on the sidelines, and all kinds of ridiculous chaos in Bedlam, because Bedlam is always not allowed to be normal. Oklahoma State has a path to the playoff. Notre Dame had a path to the playoff until yesterday. Ohio State technically still has a path to the playoff. It's all stupid. It's all fun. And we're going to talk to our buddy Blake Jude of Stripe Hype Cincy and BengalsInsider.com and the Stripe Hype All Day Podcast and all the cool stuff he does around the Bengals, along with being an NFL draft expert and avid Kentucky fan. We're just going to talk about college football for about an hour. It's really fun. We hope you guys enjoy. Hello. What's going on? What's going on? I love it. I love it. How are how are you feeling, Mister Nine and Three Kentucky, on, on your way to play Clemson in the Outback Bowl? <laughs> you know what? I'm ecstatic, and I I will take that honestly. We are, I mean, putting it at Louisville right now as as recording. I believe it's thirty eight to seven now after another touchdown they just scored. So I, I'm I'm very pleased. I'm I'm a happy man today. Ooh, I, I appreciate you giving up the final 14 minutes of a Louisville beatdown to come on here and, and be ecstatic about college football with us. It is uh it's not it's not all the time that Kentucky is beating Louisville by 31, because usually Louisville's at least respectable and Kentucky's usually less respectable. So it's not that often that you get a 31 point beatdown against a, a six and five Louisville team. Well, yeah, I mean, last three, last two games before this we played, we actually beat them by 30-plus. However, those are far worse Louisville teams, right? It's a much better Louisville team now, the team that's, you know, and they're in bowl. I mean, they're going to make a bowl game this year at least. So, I mean, I, I really think that this is a pretty solid team. And to see Will Levis and uh, the Kentucky offense, Wondell Robinson, Chris Rodriguez, this insane offensive line that we can – I mean, they're going to be a bunch of draft picks there. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, very fun team offensively to watch. And I don't know if you know the name Liam Cohen, the former Rams assistant coach uh, on the offensive side of the ball. He has been the new offensive coordinator there in Kentucky, and he has ran a pro-style off to the team. It looks fantastic. He's such a great offensive coordinator. And, I mean, they're headed in the right places right now. They just got a five-star wide receiver recently. They're heading in a good direction. I'm really excited to see that for the future, especially you now with the NIL and all that being a big factor. It's good to see them continue to get recruits. See, I know you said that uh, Louisville is indeed a bowl team this year, but I would like to, to I would like to point out what has happened in the ACC this year, just to kind of like mi- to push back on the idea that Louisville being a, a bowl eligible team is a significant accomplishment. Because uh, <laughs> here here is currently what the ACC standings look like. If you combine both conferences here, so we can combine the uh, we can combine the Atlantic and the Coastal into one here. Here's what it looks like. So you have obviously, obviously. Wake Forest at 10 oh, wait for two, obviously yep. first place in the ACC, which of course Wake Forest is number one at the end of the year in the ACC. That makes perfect sense, right? Oh, so. without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, it, that's just, that's just the ACC for you. I mean, it, it just happens. We have Pitt and Wake Forest now in the, in the ACC championship game. And I am actually so excited for that game. You don't understand how excited I am. Like that, I'm actually looking forward to Pitt Wake Forest. That's so sad, but so funny at the same time. Yes, this may be the first time again. I think we've done this quiz question before. Do you remember who the quarterback was of the last ACC Coastal team to win the ACC championship? Oh, my God. Was it? Oh, I don't remember at all. No. Um, it's got to be someone pretty good, at least, I would say. It's, it's again, been, what, 10 plus years? So, <laughs> remember, you had Clemson's won it each of the last five years. Florida right. State was in there. They're also in the Atlantic. So we're going pre-Jimbo at Florida State. Yeah. Uh, gosh. Man. I bet. The- Can you get the team? I'm not- Can you guess the team? Then maybe get the quarterback. Um, let me think. So, okay, okay. I know, I know Clemson and um, my guess would be it's definitely not Pitt. I don't think it's. Is it Miami? It is not Miami. Is North Carolina? It is not North Carolina. What in the world? <laughs> this is the ACC Coastal at its finest. Yeah, this wasn't Virginia even Tech. To yes, it is Virginia Tech, and the quarterback was Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> Oh, that's right. That's right. I think I remember that. Man, that's been forever ago. I, I believe mean, it is honestly, 2009. Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't remember Tyrod Taylor at all in college because like, at that point, I was still a, a young fan. I was only in the NFL at that time. I remember Tyrod Taylor coming into, I believe it was like his, because he was a backup for a while. Whenever he came in for EJ Manuel in Buffalo, I remember that Tyrod Taylor very well. Um, Even before that, that, he was the backup to uh, he was the backup to Joe Flacco when the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I honestly I, I hardly remember even Todd Taylor going to Virginia Tech. It's been so long since that last happened, but I, I almost caught it. I was like, it's been about ten plus years. It's, I guess twelve technically now. But I, you know what? I think Pitt's got a really good chance of winning this uh, this ACC, ACC championship game because I, I'm a big Kenny Pickett fan. He had a great game this week. So that wasn't even the joke I wanted to make here. So so Wake Forest and Pitt are playing for the championship. Then you have two nine-win teams, two respectable nine-win teams of Clemson and, of course, NC State. 
which by the I know we're going to talk about a bunch of the college games today, but man, that game yesterday was just stupid crazy between North Carolina and North Carolina State with a, uh, a 14 point comeback in two minutes and North Carolina, just, Mac Brown looking just so sad. It was crazy. <laughs> We'll have to go back and listen to make sure, but I believe that I was perfect in my college football predictions until that game where I picked North Carolina to win. And had it not been for that onside, North Carolina would have managed to win that game. But, you know, of course, NC State comes back and wins. That was, again, that was another great game. I mean, North Carolina had a battle back to take the lead after a while. North Carolina State at the beginning kind of held control of that game for a minute. Uh, and then right at the end, NC State bounced back and had a big onside kick and scored one more touchdown to win the game. Uh, I believe it was, what, 37-35, 38-35, one of those scores. Something, something like a- that. The, the point being, if, if you haven't seen the onside kick for people listening, it's one of the stupidest onside kicks I've ever seen because the kicker kicks it straight up the middle. Two North Carolina players run into each other trying to field the onside kick. The kicker flips between the two of them and lands on his back, and the ball just happens to land right next to him, and the kicker recovers his own onside kick. It's just one of the dumbest things I've ever seen and also was just the perfect way to end that game. It reminded me of the Pat McAfee onside kick that he got that one year where he kicked it right over the middle, recovered it himself because no one was guarding it. But instead, like you said, there was two guys right there. Like They were ready to field it, right? And they both collide into each other and knock each other down. And the kicker just, like you said, runs right in between them and, and takes the gets the ball in a huge play. I mean, for one, what a bossy play by that kicker to do it because he's basically relying on himself to cover the ball instead of any of the other players on his team, which is, I mean, that in itself I think is crazy because you, you don't ever want a kicker to be reliant on recovering his own onside kick. But also at the same time, the fact that, I mean, this is – you know, everyone, I mean, this was a hands team from North Carolina. These are all guys that are, you know, practicing and, and recovering onside kicks. They are always ready for it. I mean, these guys know how to do it and when to do and when to go after the ball and how to get it, you know, everything like that. But to, to the fact that they actually messed up that bad at the end, I mean, you could just clearly see they just weren't on the right communication. They were both wanting to get off the ball too quickly. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably just jitters. They thought they could close the game out. They recovered the ball. They wanted to both get it in, in the game. But both of them going after it at the same time, of course, makes it to where they run into each other and all of a sudden the ball's jarred free and you know you have a kicker running right in between to get a free onside kick which was which was wild but also credit to their offense for going down and scoring another touchdown before the end of the game because I, I still thought even after that onside kick North Carolina could have stopped with the way their defense have been playing at the end of the game but uh, North Carolina State still goes in and manages to score to win and they uh, going into today there was still a scenario where they could have won the ACC Coastal because of course that was a possibility this is the joke that 10 minutes ago I was setting up, even though we got through some deep college football analysis that somehow didn't include Ohio State, Michigan or Alabama. But here's the joke that I wanted to set up is so we've got your Wake Forest, your Pitt, your Clemson, your NC State. They had very respectable seasons, like we said off the top. Clemson's probably going to play in the Outback Bowl against Kentucky. Respectable, if not disappointing. Then we get to the rest of the conference, which is after those four teams at the top, the aforementioned Louisville, six and six. Boston College, six and six. Syracuse at the time of recording, still a chance to be six and six. Virginia Tech, six and six. Virginia, six and six. North Carolina, six and six. University of Miami, a respectable seven and five. <laughs> Florida State, five and seven. And then you have the terrible teams after that, but you have eight teams in that conference that are either six and six, 
five and seven or have a possibility of going uh, seven and five or five and six or seven and five or six and six. And uh, six teams are already locked in at six and six, one at seven at not at five and seven and another at seven and five. So it's just a hodgepodge of just ACC football. Everyone is six and six. Everyone gets to make a bowl game. Is it fair to call this the NFC East of college football? Because it just feels right to say that. That's just what it feels like to me. Because all these teams are terrible, but they're just managing to squeak by and get just enough to make a bowl game. It's like I watched just enough to make the playoffs last year. I mean, it is, it is actually crazy. And, I mean, all these teams, they aren't bad teams. Like, when you look at them on paper, these are solid teams. I'm very, very high on North Carolina and their team, even though that they've had a, a couple of really rough games throughout this season. Boston College and, and returning quarterback Phil Yurkovich, I believe is his name, uh, have looked really, really good near the second half of the season. And I've been really impressed with the way they played. I mean, you, of course, you know, you had teams like Florida State, who might be five and seven, but are also, I think, one of the better five and seven teams in the country. I mean, that's a team that you could still see make a bowl game, even though they aren't six and six. Um, and, and just to see all these other teams in Miami is a very solid team. I still like what they have. Uh, you know, teams like, you know, even even the higher teams like Clemson and NC State, these are all really, really solid, good teams. And I, I'm just impressed with the fact that, you know, they're all just right there and, and just beating each other up, just making it to where no one can make it anywhere further than just being average. And it's kind of funny that I mean, that's just how the ACC has been this year. And you know what? I like it. I like the chaos. I think we all like the chaos in this podcast, at least. This is what, I, what it feels like. And I agree with you guys. But, you know, at, at the same time, I, I really, really think it's, it's been one of the hardest years to predict games, at least in the ACC for sure. But just in general in college football, it's been a, a crazy just all-around season. We don't, we just don't know who's going to win what because anything could happen at this point. We've seen so many upsets this year, and it's been very, very entertaining to watch. See, so you mentioned that the, uh, the, the ACC might be like the NFC East, and to that I raise you the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 yeah. is 7-5, 7-5. Four and six, four and eight, three and eight, eight and four Arizona State, soon to be eight and four UCLA. Pretty good seasons, if not respectable. Uh, four and six USC, four and eight Colorado. And of course, the finishing touch, unfortunately, it didn't happen for us with the 0 and 12 Arizona, but the 1 and 11 Arizona, whose only victory this year was against a Cal team that lost 23 players due to COVID protocol. Right, yeah. I mean, you're probably right. Pac-12 has been just as bad. And I was going to say that. Uh, but, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, I, it was just funny that the mission against the ACC also being really bad. But at the same time, I mean, can, could you imagine how just chaotic it would be if we just saw the Pac-12 and ACC just combine for one season and just see how bad everyone is? I mean, everyone's 6-6. Six six. We're seeing Colorado versus, I don't know, Boston College, and it's going to go into triple over. Time it's going to end up being a, a narrow victory, and they turn around and lose to UCLA the next week. It's just like that. It is They'll really play in triple how, overtime like, and still team. somehow have fewer points than the Alabama Auburn game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's just it's it's crazy how average. I don't I don't know if I want to call them average. It might be below average, honestly, because I, I think there's a lot of group of five teams this year. Like you know, even though they're the not perfect team anymore, but like the 11-1 UTSA Meeps who could just be just as good as those teams right now, which is insane to think about. But at the same time, I mean, you know, these are, these are, I mean, schools that have just beat each other up over the season. They can't stay consistent. They haven't found ways to win consistently. And that's really, I guess, bit them in the butt. And it's going to be the reason why they all play in these mid-major bowl games where, you know, it's 
December 28th and they're playing some random team from the group of five. So I don't know. It's, it's crazy to see how it all worked out, but it is at the same time, still really entertaining. And I've had a lot of fun watching the season. I'm so sad. UTSA lost. I'm so sad. It was the last game of the season. North Texas was not going to make a bowl game and the UTSA just got crushed. It was so sad. It's so sad. Meet meet. It didn't, didn't finish undefeated. They, they'll probably still get to go to the Boca Raton Bowl, but the fact that they don't get 12-0 and 0 behind it is just sad because we everyone fell in love with UTSA this year. We, we all loved them, even as Conference USA literally fell apart because six teams left about five weeks ago, including North Texas. And yeah, that was, that, that was a sad loss for UTSA. Despite there being a group of five team making it to the college football playoffs this year, assuming they beat Houston, at least Cincinnati. I mean, you know, UTSA was basically the UCF of this season, right? Like this was everyone's team that everyone was rooting behind, cheering for, wanting to go undefeated, get a good bowl game. Like everyone was rooting for UTSA. And, you know, even though I'm a, a Marshall alum, I'm a big Marshall fan, of course, I want to see Marshall do well. And to see UTSA in that same conference dominate was really, really fun. And I really wish I got to see Marshall play UTSA this year. That would have been a lot of fun to watch. But at the same time, I, you know, I can't complain too much, um, you know, because I mean, UTSA was able to dominate teams that weren't Marshall, and it was really, really entertaining to watch up until the last game of the season, of course, where North Texas and their high-powered offense just dominated that game, put up forty-five points, I believe, against UTSA. So, really impressive there. But I'm agree, I agree with you. I, I was heartbroken to see it. Um, I don't even know. I, I know before this week, UAB had a chance to make the the conference championship if UTSA lost. I don't know if that – I don't know if UAB won both their games that they needed to win or not, but there might be even a chance that UTSA might not be in the Conference USA championship, which is actually astounding to think about because UAB has been fantastic this year. I want to say that they are, but I could be wrong, uh, and, and it might be UAB. I'm not too positive on that, but – I mean, what a, what a great season for UTSA still, though. I mean, I'm excited to see who they can get returning this year because, I mean, you got to think a lot of these, you know, sophomore juniors are not going to be, you know, very coveted draft picks. They might have a chance to come back and prove themselves one more time for a senior year. That'd be a lot of fun to watch. UTSA plays against Western Kentucky on Friday at 4, 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. So if anyone really wants to watch some Conference USA championship game, it is Western Kentucky against the UTSA Roadrunners. Uh, you can get you can kick off your champ week with that before watching a truly terrible Pac-12 championship. Oh, it just sounds like a perfect day to me, honestly. Like, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm I'm gonna enjoy every single bit of it, and you know, I haven't got the chance to watch too much UTSA this year because. A lot of my games, a lot of the games that I watch are, are mainly watch just to watch certain players. Like I, like I said, I've watched a lot of North Carolina games, a lot of Cincinnati games, a lot of Ohio State games. You know, all those games where they have true prospects that I want to catch and watch, of course. But I haven't watched a, a terrible amount of UTSA because I don't really know anyone on UTSA that's you know worth scouting at this very moment. But I will for sure try to get to that in the future if there is a player that I want to scout. And I'm, I will definitely try to watch this game with the Western Kentucky as well because I'm, I'm just very excited to see that. And I love to watch all the conference championship games. So if I'm able to catch that game and watch it, I'm, I'm going to be super stoked for that because it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, we, we, need to, we need to talk about the games that actually mattered because this was almost <laughs> a chaos weekend. This was almost a chaos weekend. As much as I love making fun of the ACC and mourning the loss of the Meet Meet Roadrunners, uh, Alabama, Alabama tried to put us for a scare right there. Alabama did their best to give us a little scare. And uh, 
this was so close to a chaos. It might still be a chaos weekend at the end of the season, but I think anytime you have like Ohio state and maybe Alabama in trouble, it's going to feel like a chaos weekend. So there, there was a chance today. I remember, I remember watching all the scores of the game. And I mean, Cincinnati was winning, but they didn't have a, or last yesterday, I believe, or no, no, sorry. No, no, Cincinnati. Um, who am I thinking of? Oh, oh, I know at the time, I mean, Alabama and Ohio state were both trailing. Right. And I was like, what are the, what happens if Alabama, Ohio state lose and Cincinnati loses? It's like, who's going to be this, the third and fourth seed after Georgia and Michigan. I mean, at that point it's chaos. It's between Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Possibly Baylor, Alabama, even though. Oh, no, even team, worse probably. than that. Even worse, it's going to be Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yeah. I mean, there, there, were, there was about to be chaos there. We're talking about Oklahoma State and Notre Dame being the third and fourth seed in the college football playoffs, which would have been like, I mean, just insane to see that, to see Georgia, Michigan. I mean, no, no Alabama, no Clemson, I believe, for the first time ever in the college football playoffs, I want to say. That would have been crazy to see that if that were to happen. But, of course, uh, Alabama was able to hold on and, and – you know, even though Ohio State did lose, and I'm assuming we'll get to that a little bit later, um, you know, I, I still think Michigan's very deserving of that playoff spot that they hold right now. So Michigan is definitely going to get a spot, like, while we're on this idea. Michigan, I mean, assuming they don't lose to, I don't know, Iowa. Iowa, yeah. <laughs> okay, it is Iowa. I, I know there was, yeah. a, there was a weird clinching scenario, but then Minnesota beat uh, Minnesota beat Wisconsin, and then it's it would have set up, like, a weird three-way tie had Iowa lost to Nebraska yesterday. But it is Iowa, I do think. It is Iowa yes. against Michigan. Uh, please, Iowa, please win that game just for the chaos of everything. Um, but at the same time, Listen, <laughs> I am 100% cheering for Houston over Cincinnati, Iowa over <laughs> uh, Iowa over Michigan, uh, of course, Georgia over Alabama, and then um, uh, who's the last team I'm thinking of? Um, well, no, I guess that's just it. Maybe that's just it. Or maybe, maybe, maybe Big 12, big, like Oklahoma yeah, maybe State. Big 12 team. Oklahoma State's right, right. losing to Oklahoma right now, so I don't know if Oklahoma State's going to get their chance. Right. If Oklahoma wins here uh, and, and, and then loses in the championship game, you're going to have, I mean, you're going to have a plethora of 10 and 2 teams to pick from. Uh, or, no, no, the team I was thinking of was Notre Dame. Uh, if, if Notre Dame was able to lose, I mean, you have a plethora of, of teams, of two lost teams possibly to pick from to, to be uh, in the playoffs. And that would have been just really, really entertaining to see what the committee chose there. Cause I know it would have just been absolute hell for the college football committee to pick that. Cause we can already tell how stressed out they've been this season. Cause every single time they pick something, it always shambles up and turns into something different. It would have been hilarious to see what they would have done had all those other teams managed to lose, uh, had all these teams lose um, in, in their championship games here next week. Yeah, Notre Dame is uh, crushing Stanford, so I think that's out the door. But even yeah. still, like at a certain point, would they have just said, ah, bah humbug, we're just going to let Ohio State in? Like if it had gotten to a certain point with all the upsets, would they have just like come around and said Ohio State's going in? Because I'm not 100% sold that Ohio State isn't going to stay at number four. Like I don't feel safe in saying Ohio State is going to be lower than number four going into next week. Obviously Alabama is going to stay in the top four. I assume Cincinnati is going to stay in the top four. I don't I, think so. I mean, if, if Ohio state stays in the top four, Cincinnati be a team to drop. Yep. That's true. That it would come down to Ohio state and Cincinnati in that case. Cause Alabama still won. So, Oh, this is a game. This is a game now. So does Michigan just flip flop with Ohio state? Does Michigan go to two? Alabama stays at three. 
I mean, there. I mean, I, I mean, in my eyes, what I expect to happen is that I expect Alabama or excuse me, Georgia one. Uh, I, I, in my opinion, it's, it's going to be Georgia one, Michigan two, Alabama three, Cincinnati four, Ohio State five, uh, possibly at the moment. But at the same time, Notre Dame might have make a very good argument to pass in Ohio State as well. I just prefer Ohio State at the very moment. But like you said, it, there is a realistic chance. I mean, Ohio State has looked really, really good this year, and both their losses are quality losses against really, really good football teams in Oregon and Michigan. I mean, there's an argument to be made that the committee looks at Ohio State and their their quality wins and just says, hey, you know, I want to put this team as a four seed right now. And then all of a sudden, they go in over Cincinnati, who is now going to be dropped out as a possibly a 13-0 team this year, which I mean, I just know the hell that we wrote risen in college football if that actually happens. I don't think it'll happen, but it's a real possibility if Ohio State were to make it in at least. Um, but at the same time, you also factor in the fact that Alabama does play Georgia. And so even if Cincinnati is kicked out to the five seed, if Alabama loses, there's a real chance that we maybe see Cincinnati scoot back in and it become Michigan and Ohio State two versus three in a in the first bowl game of the champion of the college football playoffs, which would be very, very fun to see a rematch potentially between Ohio State and Michigan. I, I got to be honest. I don't think they're going to punish Alabama for losing to Georgia. I think if they, I think they're going to give them a free pass if they lose to Georgia, just because we know Georgia's the best team in the country by a lot. Alabama's not supposed to win that game. I, I think if Alabama starts at number three and loses to Georgia, they're going to stay at number three. And that's, it's tough because we've seen Alabama be super vulnerable, not just like obviously almost losing to Auburn in quadruple overtime, but also. Alabama only beat LSU by seven, only beat Arkansas by seven. Like Alabama's played a lot of weird close games this year. And I still think they're going to get a pass because if the, if the committee knocks Cincinnati out and says, okay, Ohio state, you're not going to fall any lower than the team you just lost to in Michigan. Like five is the the floor, the furthest you're going to fall. If they put Ohio state in over Cincinnati, I think that's like officially the end of the four team college football playoff. Like that's like the, the tip of the iceberg that's going to let the college football playoff expand. Cause like there, there's just nothing you can do at that point. If you let Ohio state in over Cincinnati, like you said, it's going to create an absolute storm across college football for better or for worse. Like I'm sure if you put Ohio state up against Cincinnati, Ohio state would probably still win, but right. at the same time, if we're just doing it by that count and we're just going to put Alabama and Ohio state in just based on merit, I think that this is going to be the like unofficial end of the college football playoff as we know it, like with the four team format and expansion stuff. So the question I think you have to ask yourself, at least here, I mean, Cincinnati, I think, in my opinion, Cincinnati should be over any team that has two losses this year. That just feels like it's chalked to me, assuming they beat Houston at least. I just feel like it's only right if they're above any of those two win teams, at least in my playoff rankings, right? But what I ask myself is that if Alabama loses to Georgia, what do you prefer? Ohio State's losses to Oregon and Michigan whenever they pretty much dominated every team they beat? Or Alabama's losses to Texas A&M and Georgia, though they might be better losses on paper, they've also had a lot closer wins. So there's a very, very similar... Uh, you know, very, very similar, uh, I guess, you know, uh, resume uh, from both teams when it comes to should make the playoffs or not. And then you have Notre Dame popping in, even though they're a one-loss team. We lost in Cincinnati, of course. Are they good enough with their wins to be over any of those teams? I don't know. Because they're very, very interesting competition between those three teams, possibly, of which one would deserve the last spot in the playoffs if Cincinnati were to make it in. Because I really, really think that 
all those three teams are, are very deserving. I mean, th- this is the year, if any year, that we needed an eight-team playoff. It would just make so much more sense this year, <laughs> considering, I mean, there's a lot of really good teams that can be very deserving, but are just just one crucial loss away uh, from, from being that, uh, you know, that potential four or three seed in the playoffs. And Oklahoma State, like, desperately trying to hold on, and Baylor trying to be like, we're still here. Like Tom Brady said after they won that Super Bowl, it's just like we're still here. We we're sitting at number eight. We only we know we lost. We know we lost earlier in the year, but still we're we're still we're still technically hanging around. Uh, Oklahoma State also almost lost to Boise State earlier this year. I think that's the reason why no one believes in Oklahoma State, and the reason no one believes in Oklahoma is because they lost to Kansas earlier this or almost lost. They lost it in three quarters. They lost to Kansas earlier this year. So. Uh, that's why I feel like no one trusts them at the same time, Oklahoma state trying to mount a comeback as we're recording this, but people listening will already know what the result is. Um, speaking of Kansas, uh, Kansas is playing West Virginia in the battle of how the bleep did they beat Texas? And (laughs) it is a seven point game. Kansas is probably going to lose. But I would just like to point out that Kansas, after beating Texas, has now almost beaten TCU and almost beaten West Virginia, which means there is a universe. There is a there is a multiverse scenario where Kansas is technically bowl eligible this year because they beat Oklahoma in three quarters, almost beat TCU and almost beat West Virginia. So I would just like to point that out for all the people at home that uh, our beloved Kansas Jayhawks are fighting desperately to avoid a two and 10 season. Does this mean Kansas is back or at least here? It's a step. Probably not. It's a step. It's a step. It's a step. And, and you know what? I'm all here for it. I, I hate Kansas Jayhawks in basketball. I am. I mean, I'm a Kentucky Wildcats fan through and through. I don't know. I do not like Kansas basketball whatsoever, but I would be lying if I said I have not rooted for Kansas in every single football game this year. I would be completely lying to you. That Texas game was legendary. I remember being on the podcast with you when that was going on. We were talking about the possibility of Kansas beating Texas. We didn't actually believe it, but we mentioned the possibility of it happening. And, you know, here we are. Uh, Kansas beating Texas and everyone's just going absolutely crazy. It is really, really fun to see those underdog teams like Kansas just somehow barely scrape by and be one of those, those you know, you know, very, very solid teams, of course, in Texas. Uh, and, and you can only hope that, you know, we're going to see a lot of change-ups in the Big 12 next couple of years. You know, this is a chance for Kansas to kind of reset and become a team that actually becomes a possibly a couple wins a season in the Big 12. That'd be really, really cool to see because for a long time, they've been the Vanderbilt of the Big 12. They've you know, they've been the, the bottom feeders for quite a long time. And, <laughs> and I mean, I think there's now finally a gas of, of air uh, that they can finally become a team that is at least in contention uh, to being a bowl uh, maybe next year. I think that's disrespectful to Vanderbilt. I, I would go the other way and say that Vanderbilt has been the Kansas of the SEC. Like, I, I feel like we're doing too much disrespect to Vanderbilt to the, on the flip side. <laughs> Kansas has been real bad for a real long time. By the way, I was stunned to find out during that Alabama-Auburn game that Derek Mason is the defensive coordinator for Auburn now. And this is a weird thing that's happened I've learned in college football this year is that all of the fired coaches in the SEC seem to go to either one of two places. Auburn or Arkansas, because for some reason, Arkansas's entire coaching staff below Sam Pittman is just former fired SEC coaches. Like uh, the guy who used to coach Ole Miss before Lane Kiffin, he's there. 
Um, Barry Odom is there. He was the old coach at Missouri. Like it's just a giant line. I imagine Will Muschamp is hanging around somewhere around that program. Uh, Jim McElwain. I wouldn't be surprised if he's somewhere around there. But yeah, for some reason, all the fired SEC coaches go to Arkansas and Auburn for some reason. Yeah, it, it, that, that's just it is funny to to see that, and I I really think it, it's just a matter of fact of like. Once an SEC coach, always an SEC coach. Like it's kind of hard uh, for any coach to go to the SEC and then genuinely want to leave unless they're getting a raise in some sort of way, of course. And so for all these coaches, they're already used to having the SEC team, you know, around them. You know, the SEC makes so much more money in football than any other team, you know, or any other conference really in general. Um, you know, maybe the Big Ten's the closest contender, but outside of that, I mean, it's not really close. And so to to see, you know, a team, uh, those teams be so successful and just make so much money. It, it's pretty hard for those coaches to go anywhere else because they know that they're going to make just as much money being a coordinator for a team like Auburn or, or Arkansas, like you said, than it would be to actually go to another team and be a head coach. Uh, apparently, Jim McElwain is coaching the Central Michigan Chips, who uh, had an 8-4 and four season this year, so good on them. Uh, apparently, Jim McElwain is a head coach somewhere. So I apologize for saying that he uh, was a coordinator for Arkansas at this point. So good on him. Uh, let's talk about the Ohio State Michigan game. I know we kind of like dabbled into the playoff talk, but I was watching that game from the airport and um, the whole way, or really the entire season, I'd kind of been told like, Ohio State's defense is not that good. Ohio State's defense kind of struggles. They're, you know, it's not as good as it usually is. And the whole year, I like didn't believe it. And then Michigan happened today. I'm like, oh, I see why Ohio State, everyone was saying they had a bad defense because Michigan just ran like shotgun power runs the entire game and still found a way to score 42 points. Yeah, credit to Michigan's running game, especially the running back Haskins. I mean, he had four touchdowns in the day. I mean, absolutely went off. I want to see. He, I want to say he had around 170 yards rushing in total that game. I mean, if, if you look at, Michigan's passing attack, they really didn't do much through the air. It was almost all single-handedly on the ground, and they absolutely dominated Ohio State pretty much the entire time. But I also think another really big factor that kind of won Michigan State this game is the fact that their two edge rushers, David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson, just absolutely destroyed the offensive line of Ohio State, which is very, very rare to see. Ohio State normally has a very, very good offensive line every year. And this year, I mean, I mean, it's been pretty good. They have a couple of good guys like uh, – like uh, Petit Freer, the offensive tackle on one side, they are Mumford, another is another pretty solid offensive line on that team. They were absolutely destroyed by the two first-round potential edge rushers in, in Ojabo and, uh, and Hutchinson. And it was just really, really impressive to see how, how well both those players played. It just made, made C.J. Stroud's life just miserable because they, they continued to win the field position battle and they just pounded it on the ground until they were able to get into the end zone. It was very, very impressive to see how both those guys performed. You had to guess how many rushing yards do you think Michigan had in this game? I'm going to say 330. Ah, you overshot it just a little oh. bit. They had 307 yards of rushing offense against Ohio State, and most of over half of that was Hassan Haskins, which is pretty incredible. This also reminds me of. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead first. No, oh, I didn't say anything. You're good. Oh, yeah. No, so this reminds me of uh, my favorite stat from the entire weekend, which is that uh, the Air Force Falcons, uh, on their way to finishing nine and three this year, played UNLV, who was the last winless team in all of FBS college football this year. 
Uh, Air Force won 48 to 14 without attempting a single forward pass. They had 515 rushing yards against UNLV without a single forward pass and won by five touchdowns. That is just insane. I mean, that makes no sense, especially considering it's Air Force, <laughs> like yep. the air. Uh, I, I see what no, you did. No there. air there. <laughs> no air there on the ball. It's it touched the ground the entire time. I mean, wow, that, that is that is outstanding. I didn't watch the game, so I can't speak too much on it. I have no analysis for you, but that is a, an, insane to see that a team like Air Force uh, just just pounds the ball on the ground the entire game as UNLV and I mean dominates them. Putting up forty eight points while just only rushing the ball is insane. Yeah, that I am not I'm not expecting a deep complex analysis other than just Air Force runs the triple option and they had 500 yards against UNLV who's absolutely terrible at football. Back to the Michigan game real quick. So Michigan in this game, I think it was like 14-13 at halftime and it was after that that Michigan kind of went into I guess defense that was more like blitz based and it was interesting because obviously Ohio State's been a team that's, you know, high powered and flying offense. So I don't know how much of it was Michigan's defensive game plan, how much of it was the snow and how much of it was CJ Stroud not playing well. It's really hard to explain what ended up happening in this game, especially if you've been watching Ohio State for the last eight weeks. I really think the biggest factor in that decision was the fact that, you know, CJ Stroud is our freshman quarterback. Like you said, he was struggling. And the idea is this is a high-powered Ohio State offense that in just a couple of plays can make a comeback on any team. So what do you need to do to stop that? Put pressure on the quarterback. Have them rattled. They know they're down. They're, they're facing pressure in their face. Can you, can you trust a freshman like CJ Stroud to make a big-time play with all that pressure, all that you know, just, I mean, pressure from the crowd, pressure from uh, the, the the football team. I mean, pressure just in general. I mean, this is, they're trying to college football playoffs. It's a lot to put on the freshman uh, all at once. And and for him, I mean, for Michigan State, it makes a lot of sense because it's, it's a very, very tough time for CJ Stroud. They know that. They, they know that they have elite edge rushers off the edge you can win. You know, just give them more pressure on the offensive line. Offensive line wasn't playing very well. So, you know, that if you if you bring them different looks, different blitzes off the edge and and, and, and even in between the A gaps and B gaps, I mean, they're, they're going to find advantages there and they're going to get one free runner or, or a, t- a guy beat another guy one on one to get either two uh, CJ Stroud or forcing them to make an air throw. And that's exactly what happened pretty much for the rest of the game. And that's a big reason why uh, Ohio State was unable to make them out into any comeback. I mean, this is a game that, you know, it, I mean, on the score sheet, you could, you could argue that maybe Ohio State played this game okayly close. But at the same time, this is a game that's completely dominated by Michigan on all fronts. I mean, I don't think there's ever a doubt Michigan was going to win this football game. And, and Michigan has been in this weird place where obviously everyone judges them by the losses against rivalry opponents. But Michigan was kind of playing with house money this whole season. And the fact that they're going to go to the college football playoff this year is a huge win for them, especially because this team was kind of confusing the entire season where no, it was a quiet Michigan team. It wasn't a loud, obnoxious Michigan team. This was a Jim Harbaugh tried to leave and couldn't find a better job. And now all of a sudden with one recruiting class, they find themselves in the college football playoff, which is, you know, kind of insane. Yeah. I mean, and, and this was huge for Harbaugh as well. I mean, if, if there's, you know, now I, I look at this potentially being, you know, still another couple of seasons of hardball in Michigan. There was an argument to be made. This might be hardball's last season in Michigan. I think now you can argue that maybe this is a, 
I think that's going to continue to happen here because, I mean, we obviously finally see their success. They finally beat Ohio State. It has really just been their demon this entire time throughout the hardball era, really. Uh, and they've also finally made the playoffs for the first time. So, I mean, this is a team that's doing a lot of firsts with a team that, you know, you could argue top to bottom isn't their most talented team they've had in the hardball era either. So there's a lot there's a lot of potential there for the future of this team, uh, and it's very exciting. I mean, without a doubt, this is probably their best defense they've ever had. But offensively, I think they could be a lot better. Uh, and to see them continue to perform so well and just enough to win these football games is very impressive. So the last thing I want to propose here on, on this lovely podcast is uh, – my, my favorites, I, I mean, we touched on a lot of the favorite, favorite storylines of the weekend, but my personal, personal favorite is uh, Georgia Tech fans talking shit after losing 45-0 against Georgia, <laughs> um, which is a weird place to find yourself in if you're Georgia Tech, because your program is terrible, and Georgia now happens to be one of these like nationally dominant programs. But credit to them for talking shit on Twitter after losing 45-0 to Georgia today, which was excellent. My favorite thing I saw the entire weekend. You know what? It sucks that they lost that badly, but it is so refreshing to see, uh, you know, even though there's really not a rivalry there in terms of football play, uh, it's good to see that there's still a rivalry between the schools, you know, like. As a Kentucky fan, at least in like the last couple of years, it really felt like the Kentucky versus Louisville rivalry had kind of taken a back seat because of how much Kentucky was dominating them pretty much on both accounts when it came to both sports. And, you know, it's it's actually kind of nice to see Louisville finally be okay again and actually contend with Kentucky because it actually makes the rivalry so much better. And so uh, to see that even though Georgia Tech is is getting dominated by Georgia, at least in football right now, it's still good to see that those those fans are still willing to stick up for their for their team and still talk the smack that they want uh, throughout, you know, after each game, despite getting absolutely destroyed this week. Uh, speaking of funny things also, uh, this is final right now as we're recording that LSU just beat Texas A&M to finish Let's off the go. season. Uh, yeah, they're bowl eligible now. That's huge. Yes, bowl eligible, but Ed Orgeron will not be coaching said bowl game, uh, according to LSU. This is this is it. Win or lose, Ed Orgeron's not coaching the bowl game at this point. So uh, a small victory, I guess. LSU gets to continue their streak of bowl games for 20 years because technically they didn't they didn't make a bowl game last year but they uh self-sanctioned themselves from from getting to play in a bowl game so uh lsu technically still has the bowl streak that uh is unofficially expired because you weren't going to make a bowl game last year and you imposed sanctions on yourself yeah, yeah i mean it, the streak stays alive and that's, that's good for lsu and you know I, i've kind of yeah, you know, I, I definitely think moving on from Ed Orgeron was obviously the correct move here. It needed to happen. You can tell that after that insane Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase season. I mean, this was a this was a LSU team that obviously could not go on with Ed Ed Orgeron as head coach. They were really relying on his scouting to do most of the work. And obviously, once you know Joe Brady and a bunch of his recruits left, obviously that wasn't going to be the case anymore because they didn't have the talent like before. They were unable to recruit the talent. A lot of transfers, just like the program, was dying with Ed Orgeron there. So of course, the transfer needed or a, a release and, and you know, moving on from them needed to happen. And so I, I really think that hopefully Michigan or LSU could you know finish this bowl game. I, I'm rooting for them to win. I always root for all SEC teams to win as a Kentucky Wildcats fan in the bowl game. So I'm rooting for them to win and hopefully they can move on, find a new head coach, find possibly some new coordinators and, and some guys who can recruit for them and be able to rebuild this LSU program that has so much potential for the future.
And then just going down the lines of teams who meaninglessly made it to a bowl game this year, uh, West Virginia just beat Kansas. So West Virginia gets to go to a bowl game now. Congratulations to them. Uh, They will probably play Maryland in said bowl game, probably somewhere in Louisiana or Alabama, but Maryland gets to make a bowl game now. Uh, Does Illinois get to make a bowl game? Nope. They were only five and seven this year. That is unfortunate for them. Uh, Yeah. Florida. Florida, Florida gets to make a meaningless bowl game this year. Shout out to Florida. There's still a scenario where USC can make a bowl game if they beat BYU today and then beat, I think, Cal next week. That's the other funny thing about conference championship week is that mixed in is just going to be a random USC versus Cal game in the middle of conference championship week because it got postponed a couple weeks ago. So for some reason, we're just going to play a USC and Cal game in the middle of conference championship weekend, somewhere deep on the Pac-12 network. Yeah, I mean, that game's going to be quickly forgotten. No one's going to actually care about that game at all. But it, it will be funny to see that the average fan just look at it and be like, why is USC and Cal playing in the conference tournament? <laughs> that, is, that is kind of funny. But at the same time, I, I definitely think, uh, you know, it, my bets are on USC not winning both of those games. I, I'm assuming they're probably out of the playoffs, even though they have a chance. Yep, I would agree with you on that. And uh, yeah, that's all I have for College Football Saturday. So uh, I know you said you got an early day tomorrow, so please go get some sleep. And uh, it's always fun to talk college football or laugh at college football or mock college football or whatever it is that we do on these podcasts. But college football Saturdays are always very fun. So I'm glad we got one more of these in before the season ended. Yes, and after... Uh, you know, after all the bowl games and stuff is when the real scouting season starts. So um, I'm very excited to uh, continue to be on this podcast and talk a lot more about college football, even though it's start to, starting to end. And uh, yes, I will be at the Pittsburgh Cincinnati game tomorrow. Super hyped out for that. So hopefully uh, next time I join, I'm a happy man and everything works out the way I want it to. Yes. And maybe the Bearcats will get screwed out of the playoffs and you can complain <laughs> on behalf of them. So uh, you've got you got five more minutes left of a 31 point Kentucky win, so you can go enjoy that a little bit more too before sleeping. Yes, I will. I will enjoy the rest of this game. Go Cats. Go Bengals. Uh, thank you so much for having me on yet again.